Hello and welcome back to Everyday Oral Surgery. This is your host, Dr. Grant Stuckey. I'm an oral maxillofacial surgeon practicing in Denver, Colorado, and I really appreciate you tuning into the episode today. Thanks to all those who have emailed and texted me ideas about topics for the podcast or guests they want to hear from. If you would like to be a guest on the show or know someone you'd like to hear from, please email me at grantstukey at gmail.com. Also, please visit our website, everydayoralsurgery.com, if you'd like to search the podcast in an easier way by topic. We'd like to hear from everyone and really appreciate you guys listening. Keep in mind that everything we're discussing here is based on personal experience and opinions, so please supplement everything you're learning here with approved research studies. Without further ado, please enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, before we start the episode, I want to give you a heads up on something super cool going on. As many of you know, I talk a lot about the instruments I use on the podcast, and I've tried instruments from many different suppliers, and by far, I've found that KLS Martin provides the best oral surgery extraction instruments. So, I recently spoke with KLS Martin about the podcast, and they agreed to offer a real amazing promotional code to our listeners. So, if you guys use the code capital E-O-S-E, lowercase X-O, 22, between now and the end of the year of 2022... You'll receive 40% off any instruments that are part of the basic extraction tray that KLS provides. This includes almost any instrument you'd kind of want in your routine extraction tray, including elevators, mouth props, and the main extraction forceps like the upper and lower universal. So I will post a list of the instruments that this code will cover on our website. You can also email me at grantstukey at gmail.com if you want that list emailed to you. This is a super legit deal. I love these instruments. Can't tell you how excited I am about using this myself. I'm constantly, you know, needing more instruments and using KLS to provide more stuff for me. So super cool. Appreciate those guys for doing this for our listeners and uh, feel free to enjoy. Thank you. All right. Welcome to another episode. Today I'm with Dr. Wook Nguyen. He's an orlomaxillofacial surgeon practicing in Laguna Hills, California. Wook, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Sure, of course. And thank you for having me here. Yeah, this is great. You were a graduate of UIC at Chicago, where I was as well. And you're kind of a few years ahead of me. So I'm excited to kind of talk to you and see what's going on with you these days. My first question is if you can kind of give us a brief history of your training and your current practice setup. Yes, of course. So I, I graduated dental school at New York uh, University. And after I graduated, I, I attended uh, UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago, you know, oral surgery program. I did the single, single degree route. And after that, I graduated in 2008. Shortly after I completed my residency, I went on to work at a private practice in the suburbs of Chicago in Naperville. And I worked there for a couple of years. I got on staff at uh, multiple hospitals in the Chicagoland areas. I was on staff at uh, UIC, also at Loyola University, Rush Copley, Edward Hospital. I took the opportunity just to get hands-on experience after my residency. I stayed on to the, the private practice. It was kind of a mixed academic program. And after a couple of years, I decided to move to Laguna Hills. 
and and now I currently have a solo practice, and it's it's been great. That's awesome. That's a big change. Was it the weather, or you have family there, or why did you decide to make that move? Yeah. So yes, it, it's it's definitely family related. We had no one in Chicago. My wife was from New York, Buffalo, New York, and I was from San Diego, and we moved out to San Diego after I practiced in Naperville. And uh, we were about to set up in San Diego, but there was an opportunity that we had in Laguna Hills with a oral surgeon who was retiring at the time. And uh, it, it just fell on my lap. It was an opportunity that we decided to let, let go of a, a practice that we were about to, to build out at the time in San Diego. But my, my wife and I, we sat down, we looked at the area, we loved it. We knew that it was a location that would be suited for, for us and our, our family. It was nearby some local hospitals, and it almost felt like a dream. So that's how I ended up in Laguna Hills. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you know, I'm kind of born and raised mostly in Southern California, and I'm familiar with that area. I love it there. But I know, and I, and I've I went to UCLA, and then I have several friends that kind of went back and set up, you know, camp in Los Angeles and Southern California. I know it's an extremely kind of competitive area. What are some of the points that you've kind of attributed to your success in a competitive market like that? Well, that's a great great question. You know, when I moved out of here, I felt that the most appropriate thing for me was to reach out and touch base with with all the surgeons that were in my area. As um, when I first started practice, I was a solo. I built everything from scratch. It's almost like a shell shell practice. The retired you know, oral surgeon was practicing in the 70s. But surrounding us, I would say that there's probably six or seven oral surgery practice within a square mile radius of like two miles, <laughs> you know, two or three miles. So I felt the first thing that I felt obligated was to meet out all the oral surgeons in the area. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer of you're your own uh, competition. And I felt that I I'd actually needed help, you know, especially as a single degree oral surgeon, the hospital situation here is a little bit different. If you practice with an MD, you might be able to have a certain set advantages in order to get on, you know, on staff at the hospital and to be able to do operations. For me, I had to, to be a proctored. I had to go through a series of, of cases in order for the surgeons to to know who who I am and what I'm I'm capable of of doing. So I had to go through a pretty like rigorous process that probably took me about three years until I was fully fledged to be a full scope practicing, you know, oral surgeon. In terms of competition, I felt like if I didn't have the help of the oral surgeons in my area, I think it would have been a disaster. Being solo, I have a family. If I were taking call, it's just me. (laughs) I need help. I was lucky enough to meet surgeons that were really knowledgeable. One that I can say that I was lucky to have a chance to operate with was Dr. Mary, Mary Del Sol. You know, she was one of the past presidents of the the board of oral surgery, and um, you know, just knowing her and 
operating with her and learning from her was was really great. You know, the one thing about being solo is that you don't have a colleague you know, with you. You kind of have to make your own shots, call your own shots. And I'm I'm not sure if that's in your situation, Grant, if if you're solo or not. But it it is it is sometimes a challenge. You know, having to think on your feet and to be able to make to make decisions. You know, as you're going on with your practice. Yeah, for sure. You know, when you approached those other surgeons and kind of, you know, got to know them, were they okay with you? Like if you were going to go on a vacation, were they okay kind of covering things for you or or was it kind of difficult environment because they're kind of your competitors? No, I did not have any problems at all with any of the surgeons. I mean, I would have to say everyone was very accommodating, professional, and, um, you know, I felt like it was it was a, a very welcoming environment to reach out with all of them. And still now, whenever I would have a case and I would like to have just someone to kind of kind of help me, I have all their cell phone numbers, you know, I can reach out. And so I never had an issue at all. And obviously, for me, I would also return the favor. So if there was a colleague that needed services, or to take to take call, I, I would be willing to help and vice versa. So no, I've never had any issue with that. Oh, that's awesome. And then was there anything, you know, special you did as far as marketing goes or things that to, to try to distinguish yourself and stand out to patients or referrals as somebody, you know, that they should refer to when there's just so many other surgeons around you? How did you do that? Yeah, that's that's a very good good question. You know, I I want to start off by saying when I was in Chicago, I was in a very, very busy private practice with multiple offices. So I learned quite a bit about marketing. But for some reason, when I would would market as an associate, I never felt right. It's almost like I was trying to schmooze the other doctors, which is not who I was. And maybe, you know, it really depends on who you are. I mean, you might be someone that might like to market and schmooze and take people out and and be overly aggressive, but that's not who I was. So I didn't feel like I was kind of like natural at at doing marketing. And I always felt like if I separated from from the associateship that I would actually do things things differently. And that's what I did. When I moved to Laguna Hills, my wife and I would never opened up an office. We kind of thought about our marketing techniques and what we should do. And I always told my my wife that I wanted to build a practice that people will look at me and say, you are a good surgeon. I trust you. I, I like what you do. I like how you manage my patients. And that's how I focus my marketing. It's kind of like one-on-one individual because it is it is extremely difficult when you're in an area with multiple surgeons and they have all kinds of social media and other things. And, and my wife knows me, I'm, I'm, I'm not on social media at all, but she is, you know, she helps me with that. And so for me, I put a lot of stress on, on education, on meeting one-to-one time with the doctors and the referring doctors and also meeting the the office and staff and team and really honing on in like, like a relationship, like as if, as if the other referring doctors, you know, I wanted them to know me as a person. One of the biggest reasons why I moved back to SoCal is because I surf 
and that's a part of my life. And my wife knows that. I told her, like, you know, that's a part of my life that I, I missed when I was in New York and I missed when I was in Chicago. But I am blessed to have like those meetings, the board meetings, so so to speak. We're out there, you know, in the water and we're having a, you know, good surf session and a relationship. And we talk about, you know, surgery, you know, oral surgery and dentistry. So I think when that happens, those are the referrals that I want. I'm I'm not here to to take care of um, you know, referrals that may not know who I am. You know, that's not I don't want that. You know, obviously being in a a very high high dense you know oral surgery area i am i like to be accommodating but if i haven't met the doctor i'm i'm gonna get on the phone speak with them and i think that is a technique that has helped that has helped me in a lot of ways i like that a lot it's so much better i feel like to have a quality referral that you have a good personal relationship with and have a good pattern of communication so that if there's problems or issues it's it's kind of more fluid and it's not a difficult situation if something arises and they don't really know you or, or they're not comfortable calling and saying, Hey, what's going on with this? It doesn't look right. You know, it's easy for them to just say whatever to the patient and the patient can kind of get, you know, worried sometimes when it's unnecessary. So I think there's a lot of good benefits of that. Yeah, I agree. As far as procedures that you're doing, is it uh, mostly teeth and titanium, or do you specialize in any kind of realm of, of oral surgery? Yeah, I mean, that's primarily what we do is wisdom teeth and implants. But I would say in Laguna Hills, there is a, a dense population of, of senior citizens, whereby a, a community called Leisure World is pretty well-known out in Laguna Hills, so... Okay. <laughs> I would say my my average my average age for patients probably ranging in the seventies, you know, seventies and eighties. Um, wow. So I I've probably treated more more century year old uh, patients and having to deal with medical issues than probably most. I would think I am um, an in network provider with with Medicare. I have been since I got out of my residency, and I I've kind of brought that with me. So I would say that. In terms of taking care of the elderly population and having to, to deal with all the things that are involved with that, bone density, you know, necrosis issues, osteomyelitis, that's that's what I see kind of mostly. It's not kind of like the things that will make you the most money, but things that are required for, you know, a um, community practice, you know, oral surgeon in this, in this type of uh, population. So I, I do feel really, really good about that. You know, I am pretty close with the local hospitals and they do rely on me to kind of you know educate them on on um, certain aspects of geriatric you know oral surgery care i mean practically every day i'm sending out medical medical clearances and every patient's on plavix and coumadin every one of them there's wow. no there's no simple extractions in our office <laughs> <laughs> so, so so i i think i think that's kind of what my niche is and and I actually love it. You know, these these people are just a wealth of knowledge. Actually, I learn a lot from from them, and it's really humbling. But these these people that I work on, all they want is someone to actually care, and um, you know, that's that's my drive and my my motivation. Yep. So that's that's I would say is the scope. I don't do too much, you know, orthognathic surgery. 
or I don't do I don't do TMJ. I used to in order to get my uh, privileges, but then you know when you're solo, you kind of really kind of difficult to do all that and still have to run back and then having to manage practice. So it is quite actually difficult. Now, more recently, I took on an associate, and so that was kind of helpful so I can kind of break away a little bit. But um, I would say for the first actually decade, I I was by myself, you know, so. Okay. Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of treating the geriatric patient and the, that geriatric population is a subset that we treat that I feel like isn't maybe isn't commonly taught, you know, in dental school or even in oral surgery programs. It's it's um, kind of something that's there, but we don't get specific education on it. Is there kind of a specific things you do? Let's, maybe let's tackle like doing implants with geriatric patients. What is kind of different or something, you know, special that you do for those patients compared to the implant on, you know, let's say a 30-year-old or whatever, 40-year-old patient? Well, you know, <laughs> it's really interesting because uh, for a geriatric patient, I would say that I can be less aggressive. For example, if if we're in a situation where a patient is really devoid of 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 uh, you know viral bone, I can can uh, treat them conservatively. You know, they may not require sinus lift. I may be more uh, likely to put in shorter implants or to angle implants or to do something that that, that is more just to give them a better a better situation. That's probably what. What I've done you know, mostly, if someone's a dentalist, I you know just just trying trying to keep it simple. A lot of a lot of the, the elderly are sort of concerned, in saying that they're not a candidate because of their age for implants. But then I ask them, what's the other alternative? You know, are you going to be just um, with a denture? I will tell you, with all the the latest and and greatest techniques that we have, we're doing digital scanning and guided surgery, and and they seem very impressed with that. Even though the combi has been around for a long time, but you know we showed them a digital scanner and we're able to do a conservative treatment, making small incisions, sometimes even like a a, a virtually flapless incision, and people have a, a great result. And even if you're putting in a couple of implants for an overdenture, I always give them all the, the options and and say that if we start off with this and conservatively, if you feel like you want more implants and you had a good experience and then we can do more. So I never really kind of try to be aggressive with patients in this in this age group, but I think that that's a difference. You know, with with patients in their let's say forties and fifties, if if I was going to put an implant, I mean, I want that definitely last. You know, I I will tell you that being in my practice, that there are, there are a multitude of patients that I put implants, and maybe a year later they they may have actually passed away. You know, but at least I knew that if I put those implants in, that they were able to enjoy their the rest of their life with eating and chewing, and that makes me feel good. But obviously, if they were if the patient was younger, you know, we would have to do kind of like a little bit more in terms of long term treatment. Someone that would require a science lift, I I would like to put something that of suitable size for, let's say, an implant. You know, so. Yep. I was going to ask with the elderly patient who needs like a single implant, let's say they have most of their teeth and they need a single. Are you 
more or less likely in that patient to let's say it's like a tooth number 12 you know to do an immediate or are you more likely to stage it and say oh let's graft and come back and then do the implant i mean does their age play any factor in your decision making there with the the immediate implant and the patient's age for me it's never it's never like a set plan that I have to always try to do stage versus immediate it's is actually for me it's individualized I will tell you in my area I would say like 75% of patients will say have you seen those ads where they extract all your teeth and you get teeth in a day and I'm sure you've heard that but I would tell you that that statement occurs quite often quite often in my office and a lot of them will have a perception that it doesn't work that way, you know. So when I speak with with a patient, and if it's something that's not in the, I would say the front six teeth, the canine to canine, and if the um, cosmesis or the aesthetics is not of high actually demand, I'm probably going to do a stage, you know, surgery. Um, but if there was a patient that is kind of like wanting to save a bit of time and it's a, a situation that works for them, then I would, I, I like that approach a lot. If you save a bit of time. And again, I, I feel pretty, pretty good with the techniques that we have um, with doing immediates. You know, for me, I'm, I'm a guided surgery guy. I always do everything with a guide. It's very fast for my staff to take IO impressions and we have a ct scan sometimes we kind of give that as as a free service so so no one has any kind of hesitation to talk about an implant and then we're able to just plan surgeries every day so i think it i think it's a great service and we try to keep it simple and so so we are able to do either approaches either delayed or immediate approach but i think to answer the question it is individualized depending on the patient okay and i'm sure a lot of their other health problems come into play because some of them could be healthy at an elderly age and others you know have diabetes and all sorts of things that can compromise their immune system and you know, oh yeah of course it. yes absolutely i didn't mention that but but obviously yeah if they were a diabetic not controlled they were on chemotherapeutic medications or they were on a bone a bone density medication, then we would definitely be more conservative on their treatment. Yes, absolutely. Hey guys, I had a brief interruption to today's podcast. As many of you know, I'm a big fan of using a headlight. I feel like a headlight is so important to being able to distinguish what is what in the patient's mouth. I recently switched to the Spectra headlight that KLS Martin sells and it's amazing. It's super bright and has a huge field. I highly recommend it. Uh, KLS Martin has been kind enough to give us a coupon code for extra batteries and a desktop charger for free with the purchase of the headlight. This is an amazing deal because the extra batteries are extremely helpful to have so that you have them readily charged as a backup option. If your batteries die, your current ones on your headlight, you can swap them out within a matter of seconds for fresh batteries and kind of go on with seeing what you need to see. Um, so the coupon code is capital KLS. PHL, all caps, and that's an acronym for KLS Portable Headlight, and it's good until mid-January 2023. So when you order the light through your area rep, just tell them um, the code, 
and you can get that discount and, and get those free accessories that are, in my opinion, super important to this light and being able to use it flawlessly. I uh, hope that helps and enjoy the rest of the episode. And you brought up kind of that point of education of patients because I feel like I have the similar experience that you're describing where, you know, elderly patient maybe in their late 70s or early 80s is coming in and they're a dentalist maybe and, you know, they, they're they really struggling with a denture or or maybe it's we're taking out all their teeth and they have this kind of preconceived notion that implants, you know, don't work. They're very skeptical of them. And sometimes it's hard for me to kind of know how to educate them and say, hey, implants are, can really be life-changing. You know, it's not just um, a cosmetic thing, you know, that you see on these ads on billboards with nice white pearly teeth. It can actually really and potentially even extend your life, you know, if the denture isn't tolerable now. But with implants, we could make that denture thinner and more natural feeling and they can be chewing and supplementing their diet better it could make a big difference for them and I, and sometimes i struggle getting that message across to them do you have ways to do that yeah of course i think that's 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 the single most important thing that we talk about with the with the patients and it actually it starts by just the more you do we we do have like reviews we do put them in like like a book and also online so everyone that reads comes to my office will have a book that kind of says we kind of like pick the cases that patients have had actually implants and say, well, it didn't hurt at all or it was really seamless. And then being in Laguna Hills, I I'm kind of well known in a leisure world because everyone that comes and see me will say that, oh, you were I was referred from so and so and I knew you from from this person that had an implant and it just compounds. And that's really good because I mean I like like I was saying, you know, the competition is is yourself. I want people to come to me as if we do a good job. So my my goal is to to make it seamless. And we've have a, a multitude of a plethora of patients that have great outcomes. And and I think that my staff also helps a lot too. They keep implant when someone asks about implants, they always keep it positive, you know, with people. So by the time they see me. They've already been built up. Um, they kind of like, I guess I, I always mess around with them. I, I said, they, you know, my staff lies about me and say how actually great I am. And, and it says, oh, he's very nice and kind and he'll take, take care of you. But, you know, we do. And I think that when, when our, our staff sets us up or when the referring doctor speaks very highly of, of us, or if I put implants in the doctor or if I put implants in the doctor's mother, you know, these are kind of, those are the, the marketing things that I would do. Like, some, I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I will get a doctor and they bring their mom and I'm not even charging them. I'm like, oh, it, thank you for bringing me your mother because that makes me feel very good that you trust me. I just take care of their mom. And that's what I do all the time, you know? And then, so from that point on, it's just, I'm actually busy, you know? So for me, that's how I try to work on patients in the elderly population and because they just want someone to like tell them that it's okay and we we also focus on telling them how much life you know their quality of life will be improved there's options out there and you don't have to select the all and x option that might be a little bit more aggressive but if you want it we can do it 
and we can do it with ease and precision. So I, I think that, you know, every patient is individualized, but when I show them the pictures, for example, I can show you a picture of like my wife's dad. He has eight implants on the top, eight implants on the bottom. And I always use him as a guinea pig. I put his implants in like when I first started the practice and I always show him, you know, you can do this or you can do this. <laughs> and most people are like, oh my gosh, they see eight implants on top with the sinus lifts. And I say, well, you know what, well, this is something that if we do, and if I, obviously, if I feel that it's safe, it's safe for them for this type of surgery, then, you know, people will have a choice and they will get excited about it. You know, next week I have a patient, I'm doing eight implants on the top, eight implants on the bottom. And I showed her, I showed her the x-ray and she said, that's what I want. I don't want to have a denture or even a denture suspended on implants. I want it fixed. So I think, I think for me, at least the people in my area, you know, I would say the far majority are at the, the kind of the, the end of their kind of like last stages of their lives. So they have like money to spend. So they really want to improve the, the livelihood. Sure. But I, I, I always, I kind of always support the fact that, yeah, those ads out there for is marketed, but here we will talk to you about all of those options and then help you make the best, the best choice. So I guess that's the best advice, you know, is to kind of hype up the implant because as you know, I think implants are the, the best invention ever. You know, you put them, they hardly fail. I mean, I use them um, Strawman, you know, the SLA active surface, I would say 90% of the time now. I do use Nobel, but yeah, I've been just loving Strawman a lot because I hardly get a failure. I, I've been using the the bone level tapers, the BLXs, and, and that SLA active surface. Every time, it just works. You know, it works even if you you put the implant in and it, it torques at like fifteen newtons, still works. You know, so I don't know. I I feel really I like that. I always like talk to patients about the the surfaces and they like that. And I show them the research. If someone's an engineer, I show them all that stuff and they get excited about it. And so that's how I I kind of like figure out a strategy to earn the trust of the patient. But I think that that's, that's what I do. And then it's just nonstop. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> that's awesome. I was going to ask you, I, on your website, it shows a picture of you and your family and it appears that you have five children. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. My wife, yeah, she, she she is great and uh, <laughs> it's quite a zoo but rewarding yep that's awesome and then i assume do you live close to leisure world or like are you part of that community with your own family or do you live kind of further away no actually when i when i got my practice um i lived in laguna hills okay. but then i moved to a house that's right near my office i i could walk to work Wow. So I, I made that a point to, to buy a home. And so I'm, I'm near Leisure World. I'm in, near Laguna Hills High School. I'm near my office. I'm near the hospital, the local Memorial Care Hospital in Laguna Hills at Saddleback. And uh, yeah, we're in a great area. We're by a high school. We're, we're by actually dentists is pretty much pretty saturated there. And when I bought the practice from the oral surgeon, I remember his words. He says, look, 
you have a stronghold in Laguna Hills and people would not want to drive across the highway five because that's another country, you know, <laughs> highway five separates like the cities of Laguna Hills and Mission Viejo and, you know, Irvine and other old surgeons, you know, are, are practicing, but the seniors take the bus, <laughs> they, the bus drops them off right at the Laguna Hills Medical Arts Center. So we never have a problem with, you know, people trying to find our locations where by other doctors, like radiologists, physicians, and oncologists, urologists. So we're all right there. Yeah. That's awesome. It sounds like you have the perfect attitude to work with geriatric patients. You know, I found that they just take a little more maybe time and explanation and listening. Whereas I feel like the younger generation, sometimes it's almost like they don't want to hear, you know, long explanations. Yeah. They just want to kind of get get in, get out and be done with you. Whereas the elderly patient is they're just so much more talkative and they got more to share and they want to kind of connect with you on that personal level. Have you found that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my assistants know how, how much like I sit there and listen and talk. And matter of fact, some of the patients have actually dementia. So they end up repeating themselves again and again, but they know me. Like if the patient repeats a question, I answer it again. I, I, I never say you asked me that five <laughs> seconds ago. No, you know, we kind of, we kind of just be nonchalant about it. We just kind of treat people, talk to them and take our time. Because sometimes it, we always say, don't worry about memorizing anything. It's all written down. We always go through instructions, give extra instructions to the, the caretaker we have certain set like systems in place for just giving patients extra time to fill out the paperwork. I mean, I'm online and actually digital, but you know, still nowadays that patients don't want to fill things online. They like the paper. We mail it out. We mail a patient registration so that when they get here, they um, will know to fill out the paperwork so that we don't waste a lot of time. So my receptionist is very good. She can say, that person's going to take 15 minutes. That person's going to take a half an hour to fill out the paperwork. So she'll tell them to come before their appointment so we don't kind of run run behind. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a geriatric population. Definitely takes a lot of more care patients. And if you don't have it, it shows. You know, I, I made some mistakes first time the first year when I was in practice. I was on like every HMO, PPO insurance, and I was trying to build up myself and I was like rushing. I was busy, but then I was rushing. And then I had, I guess I had like this one bad, nasty lady that just said, you, you look like, you look like you're in a hurry. And I don't like that. And she was right about it. I was like sweating. And, and I said, I'm so sorry. I was trying to help this patient in this. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. But then I, I told myself and I told my wife, like, this is not how I want to practice. You know, people are paying us a good amount of money for doing these services. So I stopped that. We got off. Now I got off of all the insurances except for one. There's actually Delta, which I, I might even not even stay on that. But since then, we don't need to be on those insurances because patients typically, they just want someone to, to kind of like help them. They don't, you know, so, so yeah. So I learned that, yeah, you definitely need attention. You definitely need, and we always get medication lists. All my staff, we have to update ourselves with medicine all the time. I, I, I go to the, um, the CEs for 
the hospitals and kind of like update myself on what's out there and what's new with the you know, procedures, medical procedures. So yeah, it just takes a little bit more time, but we have a system. And I think we're pretty slick at it, you know, in terms of being efficient. You know, for example, we have a diabetic patient uh, coming Monday. We got a clearance really fast. We kind of knew the medication. We were able to get in touch with the doctor. So my staff are kind of really used to doing all that stuff. Half of them are medical assistants and they're not even actually dental assistants because I require their medical knowledge. Yeah, that is awesome. Wow. So, well, it sounds like you've established a, kind of a good you know, presence there in Laguna Hills and a good kind of environment in your office. That's so great. I'm, I'm super happy for you. Well, good. I appreciate you taking the time this morning. We end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to shoot those at you if you're okay. Okay, sure. <laughs> the first one is, what is the best book you've read in the past year or two? The best book I've read in the past year was probably, um, it's called The Mindset by by Dr. Carol Dweck. Okay. I don't know if you read that that book, but The Mindset, it's just just really powerful, you know, in, in talking about how you set your mind to set your mind and thinking a mindset in order for you to be successful, you know, and, and it's not about, it's not about like how smart you are, but it's about how willing you are to continue to learn and continue to have the, the attitude and the motivation to improve yourself. I like that. Um, that taught me a lot about myself and how to even teach my my kids this and 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 also to become a leader for my office um, staff and and i tell them that yep in life you'll make mistakes but the book really showed us on how to improve and how to not let yourself down and try to figure ways to figure out solutions that's how it's all about a growth mindset is what is is so important in life and so I, I love that book and I, and that's just stuck, stuck with me in my head. Oh, that's awesome. I'll check that out. It looks really good. Next question is what has been the most helpful non-oral surgery thing that you've done that, or, or do in your life that helps you with your daily oral surgery skills? I, I would have to say surfing. <laughs> okay. I say, I say surfing because it is, it is phenomenal exercise. It is you set your mind outside of, of work, but you do think about work, but then you, you just kind of hone in with nature and mm-hmm. uh, it helps my, my back. When you're surfing, you're always in a, a hyperextended, your neck is hyperextended, you're, you're paddling, you're not flexing as we typically would do in, in our operations. And so it just, it just clears your mind. And so when I surf, I do surf with a few doctors and dentists and talk about work. We talk about surfing, but we really just enjoy ourselves. And it, it just gets us out even from, you know, time away from my family, you know, just, just uh, have a, a chance to just say, this is my time. And that's, and that's really, really important. You know, my wife has her time, but yeah, that's, that's surfing. I don't know when you, when you surf, you see a dolphin, it's great. You know, we have, we have a beach um, condo, a beach, beachfront condo in San Diego. I surfed down in, in San Diego when I was a kid. And so that's, that's the surf break that I surf. And when I was there, the, the, the first time I bought my surfboard 
at the surf hut. The surf hut is still there. The owner is still there. And I still talk to him. You know, when I was a kid, you sold me my first surfboard. It's just the surfing just gets my mind off of things. And then when I'm, when I'm relaxed, I go to work and then I can like focus and then I have actually energy. So that's the one thing that I, I think is very sacred for me. That's awesome. Excellent. Our next question is what forceps do you use to remove tooth number six? Tooth number six, I use a forcep called number 69. It's okay. just like, a, I'm sure you know what it is, but it's a, kind of like a long S-shaped forcep with a narrow beak. So it's very good um, to grasp. That's what I use. Yeah. Nice. Do you use that for all anteriors or what other teeth would you use that for? All maxillary anteriors and actually premolars. That's that's my that's my go-to. That's very cool. It's kind of like the upper universal. Yeah, it is, but it's more like it's more refined. It's less it's not as like big and bulky. So okay. the, the 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 beak is narrow. I would say it's like four millimeters at, at the beak tip, but it's very just slick that's the best way i can describe it. i either use that or or a, a pedo but yeah i i like that 69 because it's larger and it's more leverage when i'm using that oh, i like that a lot i have to give that a try because i'm usually using the uh upper universal or the ash or the ash something like that best movie that you've seen in the past year cool the best movie I've seen in the past year, <laughs> you know, or, ne I, or I, Netflix show. <laughs> okay. Okay. I you know what? I just, just re recently st started watching, you know, Ozark. Yes. Okay. I watched the whole series. I, and I, I was addicted <laughs> and I never watched anything, but I started watching that like every night. And I, I just, I just like the whole, the whole thing about, you know, Ozark, you know, just, it's great. It, it keeps you on your toes. I love the actors and the actress. I love the storyline. You know, being in San Diego, exposed to the uh, to the Mexican the cartel situation all the time. You know, I I surf in Imperial Beach, which is kind of south near Mexico. So like we're always like hear these like drug things, and so yeah, I can relate. You know, with it. And also Jason Bateman was from Chicago, you know, so oh, yeah. they moved out there. So there were some similarities there. So yeah, my wife and I, we really like, you know, Ozark. That's awesome. Yeah. Great show. Okay. Our last question for you is what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote. Okay. My favorite quote, I have a sign in my room is keep it simple. Nice. That's that. Just keep <laughs> it simple. <laughs> I don't know who, who, uh, who made that quote, but I have that in my room. And every time I look at it and my wife and I, cause we're, we're about to buy a medical a space condo space and we're about to, to build out right across the lot from us. It was an opportunity. And my wife is, we're saying, are we, are we keeping this simple? <laughs> and I, said, <laughs> I don't know, but, um, <laughs> but it's a good investment, you know? I mean, yeah. That's that's a quote. I always say that with my kids, and I, I tell them that don't try to think too much. Just you know, just try to keep it simple for yourself. You go to school, you focus on school, and then everything will be just fine. You know, like if you if, if you're like an oral surgeon, just focus on what you do, 
And uh, don't think about too many things. Just like focus on the implant and the patient. Take care of that. And everything else will come. That's, so that's my advice. Um, that's my quote that always stuck with me. I love that. It, it reminds me of um, Dr. Maloro, our old chairman. He yeah. would always put that in his lectures. He calls it the KISS principle, K-I-S-S for keep it simple and then comma stupid. You know, Stupid. He, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's something to be said for not overcomplicating your life or, or even just, you know, your surgeries and kind of keeping things routine and simple and not making too many steps Just something that can be reproducible and is smooth and not going to stress out you or your staff. Yeah. You know, the most simplest thing that I do that does the, the, the best in my practice and, w- and when we keep it simple is, is wisdom teeth, single implants, a couple of implants, just like Okay, you're missing a tooth. Let's replace it. The best option is the implant because it is because it's great. You can't get cavities. It's great, painless or near painless. Just keep it simple, and uh, yeah, I think that works every time. Yeah, and and people see that people, are, you know, sometimes they think things are going to be complex and dangerous and other things, but no, they're just you know we got all the technology to keep it simple to, to help. To make it easier for you, you know, essentially. Exactly. Explain it in a simple way. Do it in a simple way. It's just, it's, it's awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. I really appreciate you sharing some of your experience and some of the tips you have. I think it'll be helpful. If there are listeners who kind of have any questions about what you said or want to discuss further topics with you are you okay if they email you or what are your thoughts yeah of course yeah definitely anytime i i knew that the, the, there was a resident the chief resident at uic i met at uh, you know amos and he was going to move to la and he asked me all kinds of things about practicing in socal and i'm i'm more than welcome to help you know anyone i mean i i may not know all the answers but i i feel that i can definitely give them whatever insight i might have you know, I yeah. I love it down here. And uh, for, for anyone that has an interest in being SoCal, at least I can just shed a little bit of light for them so they can get their feet up and moving and, and hopefully enjoy this uh, sunshine and all the great weather and things out here to do. That's awesome. All right, Woke, well, have a great day and um, enjoy the surf. All right. Thank you so much, doctor. No problem. Right. Talk to Take you later. Care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. Once again, please email me at grantstukey at gmail.com if you have any topics you'd like to hear about, guests you'd like to hear from, or if you yourself would love to be a guest, please, please email me or text me at 720-441-6059. I'd also just love hearing from people if you enjoyed the podcast or you know learned something from it or talked to a friend or connected with someone because of the podcast. That just makes my day. So please shoot that correspondence over to me and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you.